Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Know-It-All Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Jerry, the Fantasy Football Know-It-All. You can find me on Twitter, at FFKnowItAll. We have a lot to go over today as I will break down the top 25 running backs in my rankings. I'll let you know where I see them uh, finishing. I will give you some surprises, some disappointments, and some uh, oh-wow moments that you will most likely on the surface disagree with, but at least hear me out. I definitely have some, uh, some opinions on some players that I feel are going way too high, and there are a few players going uh, way too low that I think could really sneak into the top 10. So uh, before we get into that, I want to go ahead and tell you guys about a podcast that I personally listen to, and it's called The Morning Smoke CLT. It is put together by a really good friend of mine, Gerald Anderson, and he does a great job of giving you some insights, some opinions, and some facts breaking down not only the pandemic and things going on right now, but all over uh, different uh, subjects and things that uh, enter into our daily life. So sit back. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, a smoke if you're so inclined, and definitely go ahead and give him a listen. You will not regret it. And give my man a follow. He is on Instagram at Morning Smoke CLT. That's it, the Morning Smoke CLT on Instagram. All right, let's get the podcast rolling. So today we're going to go ahead and break down, uh, like I said, the top 25 running backs in my rankings. And I'll give you some idea as to where I think they're going to fit in. And and uh, I mean, there's going to be some that are no brainers. Um, we could start right at the top with Christian McCaffrey. So there's really not much that needs to be said. And I did struggle between McCaffrey and Barkley. I am not going to lie. Um, I just with Teddy Bridgewater coming on board in Carolina, um, he doesn't run nearly as much as Cam Newton did when he was there. So I think there's going to be more opportunities for McCaffrey. Now, granted, that's part of why McCaffrey blew up last year is there was no Cam Newton presence to run the ball and take it away from, uh, take the touches away from McCaffrey out of the backfield. That said, I think this is going to be a trend. What you saw last year and the opportunities that McCaffrey had, I mean, it it was just astounding. Uh, 287 carries, 1,387 yards, and then you throw in 116 catches for 1,000 yards. Well, 1,005 to be exact, but uh, totaling 19 touchdowns. Do I think that that's going to come back a little bit? I sure do, but that does not mean that I... I, I don't think he was so far and away better than, than Aaron Jones, who finished number two. Uh, the, I mean, points per game basis, the, there there was really uh, there was a 10-point difference between the two. So um, Christian McCaffrey should be locked and loaded to get, I would say he's somewhere between 75 and 90 catches. I know that's a lot of high, that's, that's high for a lot of people. Not high for me. I, I think that's well in the realm of possibility. And as far as carries go, he could very conceivably uh, eclipse 300. So locked and loaded, Christian McCaffrey, don't even look back. If there was anybody in the field that I think could challenge him, it is Saquon Barkley. So let's take a look at Barkley. Barkley missed some time, not a lot of time, but he did play hurt. Um, Now, a subpar or injured Barkley last year, 217 carries for 1,000 yards. If you on the surface, if you think about Saquon Barkley, you say to yourself, he didn't have a good season. Well, 
if you're saying that a thousand yards and six touchdowns is a bad season or not a good season, and now he's healthy, and Daniel Jones is taking a step forward, the receiving core is healthy with Shepard and uh, Golden Tate and and Slayton now coming into his own, they are going to surprise on the offensive side. And Barkley's going to be a huge part of that. There's nobody there to challenge him. So it's a 1A and 1B in my mind. If you have the number two pick, I think you're that's where I want to be because I'll take either one of those two and then build my team around that. I expect uh, Barkley to get anywhere from 250 to 300 carries, and he should see around 50 catches. I don't see any reason why that would uh, that would dip at all. So touchdown totals should come up with the improved offense. So he had eight total touchdowns last year. Double digits are not out of the realm of possibility. Saquon Barkley, number two, no questions asked. Here's where things for me get a little interesting, and my first, my number three is not Ezekiel Elliott. So I'll throw that out there now, and it's not Alvin Kamara. It is, in fact, Alvin Cook. Do I think he's far and away better than Ezekiel Elliott? No, I do not. I look at a couple of things here. Zeke had 300, and we'll get to him after. He had 300 touches last year for 1,300 yards. With the addition of C.D. Lamb in that uh, wide receiver core, I don't foresee him getting the targets. It's not so much the carries, it's the targets. So he had 54 catches. I think that's going to come down to about 35, and and that's going to bring his value down a little bit. On the flip side, back to Dalvin Cook, my number three, I see his touches going up, um, not only from the standpoint of running the football, but also catching the football. He had 53 catches last year. That's with Stefan Diggs on the roster. Diggs is gone. Sure, they brought in Jefferson, who's going to uh, line up opposite Adam Thielen. That doesn't matter. I still think Dalvin Cook is the linchpin of this offense. So you're, you're, what you have is a running back who can do it all. He's exciting, he is exhilarating, and he is quick. Um, he had 250 touches for 1,135 yards, 13 touchdowns. In the, in the red zone, he's getting the football. On the goal line, he's getting the football. Any of these top four running backs are getting the football on the goal line, but in this case, I think he's going to catch a lot of passes. So Dalvin Cook is my number three. I I really, really, really think he can challenge for the number one spot. He's that talented. All right, so now the aforementioned Ezekiel Elliott. You can't go wrong taking him three. If he falls to you at four, all the better. You can just build from there. Any of these top four guys, you can just throw in there and build your team around. After that, it gets a little bit more scary, and you have to put more thought into it, and I'll get to that with number five and beyond. But Zeke is going to get anywhere from 250 to 275 carries. He'll get over 1,000 yards if he stays healthy. Double-digit touchdowns on the ground, you might as well pencil that in. As far as the catches go, I said I think they will drop to about 35-40. I really do. I believe they'll be somewhere around 40 catches, maybe 300 yards, 320 yards. And give him three touchdowns on the ground. That's fine. I just would rather have the upside of Cook than the security of Elliott. I don't want security from my number one pick. I want upside, plain and simple. All right. Number five, 
should come as no surprise to anybody. It's Alvin Kamara. And that's not because I think that Kamara is going to be any better than he was last year. I, I think he'll have the same type of season. He's an electrifying player, and he catches a ton of passes, and that is not going to change. But his ability to stay healthy is definitely a question mark. Now that he's got another year under those tires, he's not a three-down back. He never has been, and Sean Payton will not use him as such. So you're going to have Latavius Murray with goal line touches that will affect Kamara's value as he will not get those uh, goal line carries and those touchdowns on the ground. So his touchdown totals are going to have to come from catches, which that's that's going to happen. Um, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders in the slot, that, that doesn't affect Kamara all that much. Drew Brees loves to target his running backs. He always has. He still will this year. So for this year anyway... Kamara's a fine pick at number five. If you're in a draft and the first four running backs go in in any order, McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, Cook, whatever it is, and you're sitting there and you have the two Saints that you're trying to decide for, it's obviously it's going to be either Kamara or the wide receiver, Michael Thomas. I would go Thomas and then on the flip side grab a running back, which we'll talk about a little bit later. There are several of them falling to the second round that I like, and I like a lot, and and I don't mind taking as my running back one. So we'll get into that. But uh, Alvin Kamara, you can definitely uh, pencil him in for anywhere from 60 to 70 catches. Easy. Um, His carries, well, his carries will be somewhere in the 1 to 150 range, and his rushing total shouldn't be much more than five or 600 yards at the maximum. That's still a good season. So... um, with Kamara, it really just depends on how you want to structure your team. If you want to go running back first and then a wide receiver, I think the wide receiver drop-off heading into the second round is farther than the running back drop-off at this point. Number six, and I was a big believer in this guy. I I liked him when he first was drafted. I didn't like how the Titans used him. I screamed about it then. I don't have to scream about it anymore. Derrick Henry is number six. Now, I struggled with putting him at number five, but he's not involved in the passing game. And with PPR being the primary, uh, whether it's half point or full point, PPR is the dominant presence in the fantasy industry now. So I build my rankings and my analysis on that. So I can't put Henry above Kamara because of that. That said, Henry starting the season as the primary running back without Deion Lewis looming, which that was a joke. There's nobody really there that's going to take any touches away from Henry. He's going to be an absolute beast. The rest of it really remains uh, is on the shoulders of Ryan Tannehill and the passing offense. Because if they're going to stack the box, the defense is on Henry, then he's going to see... 11 carries for 13 yards in some instances, but he always has that ability to just dive into the line, stiff arm the hell out of a defensive player, and ramble 75 yards. That's just something that's in his DNA. Derrick Henry is a perfect um, pick here at six because he's going to see somewhere around 300 carries. Again, his catch total isn't going to be where you want it to be if you're in a PPR league or a half PPR league. I mean, let's just put it into perspective. Last season, he had 18 catches for 200 yards. 
So the catches aren't going to be there. But 300 uh, carries and the chance to get around 1,500 yards? Oh, absolutely. So Derrick Henry comes in at number six uh, uh, for me. Now on to a guy that I had to... I had him in my top five. And then I had to look at it again and say, you, you, I needed to reassess just the chance of that happening. And that's Joe Mixon. I was not a believer in Mixon, not coming out of college. Yes, he's talented, but I didn't think his discipline was there. And I actually questioned whether or not he would make it after watching him play for the, the Bengals. Then I realized it was Cincinnati's ineptitude and, and on his usage. They had Jeremy Hill still in the mix, which I still question to this day. And they insist on using Giovanni Bernard as the pass-catching back in that offense, which is not a bad idea, not a bad thing at all. Bernard is fine, but Mixon is so much better. I think that now that they drafted Joe Burrow and they uh, also added wide receiver depth, this offense is looking to take a step forward and be a little bit more high flying so i think that burrow and company are going to come out on all cylinders and that's going to put the um that's going to put the offense on the shoulders of uh mixon boyd and if green is healthy aj green so mixon's going to be the cog of this offense he should get close to 300 carries he did get more than a thousand yards last year on a terrible offense i think that he will get more this year so for Mixon, I believe the step up is going to happen this year. So um, I expect somewhere between 275 and 300 carries, 1,500 yards, and 10 to 11 touchdowns. He was involved in the passing game. Even with Bernard there, he had 35 catches. If that can come up, and I think that it will, I think it'll come up to around 50, and he could get 400 yards. He could be a 2,000-yard player easily if this offense takes a few steps forward. Joe Mixon is a guy I have no problem planting my flag on and saying, this is my island. I'm going to build my team around Joe Mixon, especially if you're in a dynasty league. Do not shy away from Mixon and and the Bengals offense as a whole. I think you're going to see some good things. I really, really do. At number eight, I have a guy that I feel I'm high on than most people. Now, I haven't looked at too many people's rankings. I just kind of went by what I thought um, the player looked like on film as well as their opportunity, and I just made my own decisions accordingly, and that's Kenyon Drake. Last year, after being traded from Miami to Arizona, Drake was nothing short of amazing. Now, if you guys listened to my podcast, a previous podcast with uh, Donnie on the um, Fantasy Football Project, I said that Kenyon Drake had all of the tools to be a top five running back. I still believe that. And the coaching staff out there, uh, Cliff Kingsbury and company, they pretty much put all of their eggs in his basket, all their money on his table, so to speak. Um, David Johnson was healthy and ready to go, but he was a healthy scratch and barely played whenever he was active. And uh, once Edmonds was healthy, he really was a non-factor. So I believe that Drake is going to be the uh, three-down back there for a vastly improved offense. Sure, Kyler Murray runs the ball a little bit. I think that only helps Drake because you don't know what that offense is going to do. DeAndre Hopkins now as the number one alpha dog on that passing offense. 
there's 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 a lot that can happen out there in Arizona. I didn't buy in last year. I am buying in this year, and certainly Drake is a big part of that. He's going to catch passes. He's going to run the football. He's going to get goal line touches. Kenyon Drake is a top 10 running back. I have him here at number 8. Again, an, another guy that if I go wide receiver early, I can get him in the second round and be happy about it. At number 9 is a guy that I'm uncomfortable with putting him there. And I'll I'll outline the numbers, and then I'll even go into the film. On film, he looks good. Um, I, I can't say anything bad about Austin Eckler on film. He looks fantastic. I worry about the Chargers offense in general now that they have a well they have Tyrod Taylor who runs the ball himself especially at the goal line and they have a, a rookie quarterback who if he starts I just worry about the offense in general uh, because I'm not sure Herbert's any good but if you take Austin Eckler at face value, he is stepping into the Melvin Gordon role without Austin Eckler being in the lineup. So basically what you're looking at is a three-down back because he can catch the ball very well. Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler are the same type of back. They operate the same way. So you're not going to say that Justin Jackson's going to take away goal line touches, going to be the one-two uh, punch, any kind, anything like that. Eckler, they paid him to be the man. He's going to be the man. Now, I always say don't pay attention to stats. And here is, this makes me feel a little bit better about putting him at number nine. Stats last year, he only had 132 carries. I understand that Melvin Gordon was was back and he wasn't the primary guy, but he got enough looks uh, early that they, they could have given him more. I don't know how they view him. I can't say by looking at those numbers that he's going to go up to 260 carries. And and his uh, his uh, rushing total was 557 yards. Not that great. So on a yards per carry basis, he was good. But let's see what the offense looks like and how they build it and how they use him. Nine is okay. I'm not going to feel good about getting him as my... I won't take him in the first round. I'm not taking him over some of the wide receivers that are going to be on the board, like your Julio Jones um, or somebody like that. DeAndre Hopkins will probably be there as well at that point. I'd rather go with those guys and then on the backside get another running back. So his catch total, 92, and he almost had 1,000 yards receiving. That's not going to be... It's going to be nowhere near that. Tyrod Taylor is not Philip Rivers, and Justin Herbert, that total is going to come down. He may have 60 or 70 receptions, but they're not going to be for no 90, uh, 998 yards. So you need to expect that to take a, a step back. And the eight touchdowns in the air, that's coming back too. So he was targeted 108 times. Just put that into perspective. 108 targets. It's not going to stay that way. So Austin Eckler is my number nine, and I'm not really that happy about it. Now, number 10 is a guy that I feel could really catapult himself back into the discussion for a top five running back. Um, I don't think he'll challenge for the number one as he did a few years ago, and that, of course, is Todd Gurley. Now, a lot hinges on his health, of course, with the knee, but his situation could not have gotten any better after being released by the Rams. He signed with the Atlanta Falcons, who replaced Devontae Freeman with Todd Gurley. So 
the Atlanta Falcons upgraded at offense on uh, on at running back because let's face it, Brian Hill is nobody's answer at running back and Ito Smith, I have talked at length about how he just runs like he's got a load of shit in his pants and he does. He's terrible at football. So as long as Gurley is healthy, he's going to be the number one running back in this offense. So let's put it into perspective. Devontae Freeman last year, in a terrible year where he was hurt and just not playing well at all, he had 656 rushing yards on 184 carries and 59 catches. Todd Gurley should easily get 59 catches. I think he'll get somewhere around 70 to 75, and as far as the rushing goes, he should get about 225 targets and somewhere around 800 yards. That, to me, is a fine running back one that you can build your team around. If you went uh, Michael Thomas early, getting Todd Gurley in the, the second round, that's what I mentioned earlier. So he is a guy that I have no problem taking a gamble on. He's got that much talent, and I think he can stay healthy for another season or two. So it's not Dynasty um, that I would take him in, but I would in a redraft league with no questions asked. So uh, Todd Gurley is a guy that I will target in every draft, especially at his ADP, which is somewhere in the late second to early third round. So um, again, I can't say enough how depending on where you draft, if you can't get one of those top four running backs, get one of those wide receivers. Grab yourself a Michael Thomas, a Devontae Adams, uh, a Julio Jones, and then on the wraparound, get Todd Gurley. That is a good way to build a nice foundation moving forward in your draft. Number 11, I struggle with again, and uh, I'm going to have to go with Leonard Fournette on the assumption that Fournette is going to be the guy in Jacksonville. Now, that's a, a hefty assumption, and we don't know. There's been talk they want to trade him, and and all this talk about trading Fournette, and it, it's every year there's something going on with him, whether it's a fight on the field, a suspension, he's uh, scratched as a healthy uh, a healthy scratch, or he has an ankle injury and takes himself out of the game. There's something always in the air around him. That said, he performs. Um Take a look at last year. I mean, he finished as the the seventh running back in fantasy. Um, he had 76 catches for uh, 522 yards. That involvement in the passing game is reason enough to, if he's the healthy number one in Jacksonville, that alone with Gardner Minshew there is enough for me to say Fournette is definitely a top 12 running back. He had 265 carries, 1,152 yards. On the surface, you say to yourself, well, he had a terrible season. That's because he had a total of three touchdowns. 76 catches for 522 yards and zero touchdowns. That's Julio Jones-like right there when you think about it. So as we look at it from the standpoint of usage and opportunity, Fournette is locked and loaded as a top 12 running back, provided he is the guy. This is something we're going to have to monitor moving forward. It could be Raquel Armstead. It could be Devonta Freeman if he gets signed there. A lot can happen. Now, on that 76 uh, target, or 76 reception situation, the Jaguars did add Chris Thompson, who is never healthy. So that's why I'm still putting Fournette here. Chris Thompson will be the pass-catching back as long as he's healthy. He'll get hurt third, fourth, uh, 
game of the season, and then he will be no longer be around to catch passes. I think that Fournette is the better athlete and will win out here regardless. So I have no problem taking Fournette as the uh, number 11 off the board. Number 12 is a guy that uh, was a former number one, um, and he finished in the, the top three, I believe, three seasons in a row. Perennial first or second pick off the board, and that, of course, is Le'Veon Bell. Now a Jet had an off season last year. It was it was very disappointing, especially given where he was being drafted. I don't think he should be drafted as high as he was last year. He certainly isn't. His ADP is nowhere near where it was last year. Um, he had 245 carries, 789 yards, only three touchdowns. The Jets had a terrible offensive line, so that should improve given their draft picks and. I think that Sam Darnold takes another step forward. They did add a uh, in Denzel Mims a deep threat, I think better than Robbie Anderson. Um, Bell did have 66 catches for 461 yards, but still only one touchdown. So he had touchdown regression last year because the offense was very, very bad. I think his touchdowns will tick up a little bit. They're not going to be four total. I would give him six on the ground and two in the air. So he'll have about eight touchdowns with a chance at double digits. And he could rush for 800 or 900 yards. But Bell is always a risk risk to be injured, although he's been relatively healthy the last few seasons. But uh, definitely rounding out the top 12, Le'Veon Bell is a a solid and safe bet as your second pick off the the board or your third pick um, as your first or second running back if you're going wide receiver heavy. Um, just build, just take your first two picks as as really high quality players, a really solid running back, top flight, and then a number one wide receiver, and then you can come back with Bell as your number two. I'm happy doing that. So I'm a little leery of it, but I'm fine with it as well. He's fine at number twelve, and when I get to number thirteen, um, you'll you'll find out why I had him at twelve. So on to number thirteen, David Johnson. David Johnson has a chance in my mind to be a top ten running back. I really do believe that Bill O'Brien, regardless of what everybody says, is changing the face of this team. They got rid of or traded away DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, and they're eating up his whole contract. That says to me that they're invested in this guy. They never believed in Duke Johnson. Otherwise, we would have seen more of him. So while I think Duke will get some catches out of the backfield, I don't believe he's going to be a threat to Johnson's production. I, I see David Johnson as being a, uh, a one B to the one a of Deshaun Watson in this offense. I think they're going to change the way they do things. They're going to be more of a run heavy mimicking almost what the Ravens do. So I think that'll allow Deshaun Watson, who's a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Let's just throw that on the table right there. So, Uh, David Johnson is uh, locked and loaded and ready to, I think, uh, prove something. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He was benched, even though healthy and performing last year. I think he's got something to prove, and I would not be at all surprised if Johnson uh, emerges in the top 10. If it was me, now I know I'm ranking these, but I'm ranking them based on a lot of different factors. Gun to my head. If I'm picking a number one running back, I take David Johnson before Le'Veon Bell. That's just me and my belief in the Houston offense versus the Jets. So let's see what happens here. But as I mentioned in a previous podcast, David Johnson was on his way 
to having a, a top 10 running back season before getting hurt and then being benched. So for whatever that's worth. Number 14, Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, you could say Jalen Richard's there and he's going to catch passes, and I believe that he will. But Josh Jacobs is so, so talented. And if Derek Carr can get this team in a position where it's ahead in games and they can utilize Jacobs' abilities out of the backfield, I think it'll only be uh, more beneficial. So I think Josh Jacobs takes a huge step forward. I mean, he had an 1,100-yard season last year with 242 carries, and he only caught 20 passes. So he doesn't need those passes to be uh, a top-flight running back. So I I really think his touchdowns come up. He should get double digits in this offense. He is the primary ball carrier here. Josh Jacobs is a guy that I would take a stab at if I went wide receiver heavy. I know that's a theme throughout this podcast, but I need to put that out there because you need to start thinking about draft strategies and who you take first affects who you take second. I never like to go wide receiver, wide receiver, and then a running back. But sometimes it has to happen that way, especially if the value is there. So just think in terms of, are you okay with a guy as your number one running back? I'm okay with Josh Jacobs as my number one, as long as I have a Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, or Julio Jones and uh, DeAndre Hopkins type combination, then absolutely all day, every day, Josh Jacobs is fine. Now, here will be a bone of contention for a lot of people who have this guy ranked a lot higher. And that is Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns. There's no doubt that Chubb is talented and one of my favorite running backs in the NFL. The only problem I have with it is they have Kareem Hunt also on that team. If Cleveland had let Hunt go and put their faith in Chubb, then I would have him a lot higher here. Now, even with Hunt in uh, in Cleveland for six games last year, Chubb had 300, well, he had 298 carries, so just about 300 and 494 yards. So almost 300 carries for 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns. Now that's 10 games without Kareem Hunt. Hunt will be there for the entire season, and unless, barring an injury of some kind, he's going to eat into that a little bit more. So expect Chubb to go down to about 240 to 250 as far as carries go, maybe about 1,000 yards. Touchdowns should stay the same. He only caught Chubb uh, 36 passes for 278 yards. Hunt is going to catch the passes, so those may even come down. So that's why I don't find his value in top 10, because there is a very talented running back in that backfield with him. It's not Chubb and a second guy, like it is with a lot of these situations, like Fournette and Chris Thompson, for example. They're not on the level of each other as far as uh, uh, Fournette's much more talented than, than Chris Thompson. Chubb and Hunt are both very talented, and I expect Cleveland to use both of them. So Chubb is going to take a step back in my mind. Talented, yes, but the opportunity is just not there. Number 16, I have Aaron Jones, and I have him there for now. I don't know exactly what's going to go on in in that offense. (laughs) Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what the Packers were trying to do. But overall, Jones is dynamic. He catches passes. He may suffer in pass blocking, and that might be something that we have to look at. But 
I expect him to be the number one in that offense. I expect Aaron Rodgers to come out firing on all cylinders. I don't think he's done yet. I expect good things from this offense. So regardless of what happened in the draft, Aaron Jones is fine at number 16. I don't really need to to spend more time on that. 17 is a guy I do want to talk about, and that's because things are crumbling around him as far as his competition, but his health is in question as well. That's Chris Carson of the Seattle Seahawks. Carson, I love. I like him better than Rashad Penny. I always have. I think he's more talented. I don't care that he was a seventh-round draft pick. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is what he's done on the field. Carson is a bull. He he runs over people, runs through them, has good speed downfield. And outside of a few times and instances last year where he fumbled the ball, he's been a pillar of consistency in this running game. And this is a running team. So with Penny possibly being put on the pup list, but even without that, he's recovering from uh, a major injury. And yes, they did. Uh, draft a running back in the uh, in in the uh, NFL draft. I don't believe that that's going to really affect Carson all that much. So Chris Carson is a guy that can sneak up close to the top ten if given the opportunity. I won't bet on it, and I'm not going to bet on it. But I will say that I am perfectly fine again with Carson as my number one with two solid uh, wide receivers. Number eighteen, Melvin Gordon. A lot rides on how they're going to use Gordon in Denver. So. I got him at 18. I could move him at uh, depending on what comes out during the training camp. I feel that Gordon will be uh, a a one first and second down back. He will catch passes, but I do believe they will use Philip Lindsay a lot like uh, the Chargers were doing with Austin Eckler. So Gordon will still get his chances, but uh, definitely. Uh, you have to temper your expectations until you really see exactly how they're going to use him. Um, I think they signed him for a reason, so I'm perfectly comfortable taking him as my second running back. Um, certainly a running back, too, without any question. Or if you really, really wait and build with, uh, let's just say you go Travis Kelsey and two wide receivers and then come back with Gordon. That's fine, too. So number 18, Melvin Gordon, I'm perfectly fine with. Number 19, I want to talk about because everybody's too high on him. And I don't even have to look at the rankings. I just hear people gush. It is absolutely sickening, and that's Miles Sanders. I All I can say is I've seen nothing from Miles Sanders other than two games at the end of last year when most defenses were hurt and a lot of subs were playing where he did well. Otherwise, it was mad best. Do I think he's talented? Sure. Do I think he's an okay running back? Yes, I do. I don't believe he's a guy that you should be taking at 6, 7, or 8 overall in the running back rankings. I just don't see it. He's not a top 10 running back. He's not a top 12 running back. I don't like the way Philadelphia uses their running backs. Boston Scott looked okay at the end of the last year, and they have a history of getting guys involved whether they look good or not. So Sanders is not going to be a primary back in this offense. Doug Peterson does not operate that way. It's going to be Sanders, and you're going to have Jalen Hurt in there because Jalen Hurt is a guy that they could use as a slash receiver or a running back or some trick plays, you know, like a talented Taysom Hill, for example. And I know that's a bash on Taysom Hill, and we'll get to that. And I, I, I'm so far off of that hype train. But that's another. That's a conversation for another day. So I'm staying away from Sanders. 
I'll take him as a running back too, but hesitantly, honestly. I'm not a fan. I'm staying away, especially at his draft price. Number 20 is another guy that I am struggling to figure out what they're going to do with, and that is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And, of course, number one draft pick uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are notorious, notorious for riding one running back. So do I think that Edwards-Hilaire will be the number one guy by the end of the year? I do. Um, Not because I think Damian Williams is no good. I think he's really good. I think he's performed and he's earned his job, but he's injury-prone. He's never played a full season, and he's not going to this year either. So Edwards-Hilaire is a guy that... I think you can take as a second running back and will pay dividends for you down the road. The first half of the season, though, you have to temper your expectations. You don't know how they're going to use him. He's he's not a guy that I like going at his draft capital. Let's put it that way. If I can get him later in drafts, I will, but you're not going to. He, he's sneaking in the top 10 to a lot of these people, so um, I don't like it. Edward Hilaire is somebody that I probably won't have any shares of. Number 21, James Conner. Again, another guy that's shrouded in mystery. Um, He's got injury concerns, sure, but the defenses were stacking the boxes against him last year uh, with poor quarterback play. I mean, when, when Duck Hodges was your best bet at quarterback, you were in bad shape. So Connor, I think, will bounce back if Ben is healthy and throwing the ball downfield. Um, he might be a guy that you can get later on that will call, that will give you really good value. So he's kind of a bounce-back candidate for me. I don't know how the Steelers are going to use him. I think they're going to incorporate uh, Anthony McFarlane Jr. into this offense, but um, at number 21, Connor's a guy that you can pick up after going wide receiver heavy and see how that works out for you. Number 22, David Montgomery. I'm not impressed. He is the primary ball carrier in Chicago, and I think Chicago will be better with Nick Foles. So putting Montgomery here is not so much a testament of how I feel he's going to perform. I just think as the number one guy there, Tariq Cohen is a guy that will catch passes for you, but Montgomery will get the goal line calls. So he's perfectly fine there at 22. Number 23, I'm still going with Marlon Mack, and I'll tell you why. I think that on the last year of his contract, there the Colts are going to rely on Mack a lot more than they will um, Jonathan Taylor. And the reason I say that is Taylor's an investment for the future, And this year, the Colts are looking to win. Signing Phillip Rivers, having Mack in the backfield. They're going to use T.Y. Hilton as a uh, Keenan Allen-type wide receiver. Rashad Perryman downfield. Jack Doyle. This is going to be a really good offense, and I think Mack can spearhead it. Do I think Taylor will get chances? Yes, I do. But I think this this could be a two-back system. So... I still got Mac there, and that may change if something comes out of training camp that they're going to replace Mac with Taylor. But for now, Mac is the guy. Number twenty-four is a guy that I really want to rank higher. Um, I like him a lot. I just worry about usage. Kyle Shanahan is notorious for screwing up a backfield, and by that I mean just from a fantasy standpoint. He obviously knows what he's doing, get maximum efficiency and winning games and going to Super Bowls and such. So I'm not saying anything bad about him. I'm just saying for us as fantasy analysts and fantasy players, it is frustrating. And that, of course, is going to be Raheem Mostert. Mostert is a guy who is super fast, super talented, and in limited 
action, 137 carries last year, 772 yards. He only caught the ball 14 times but had two touchdowns in the air. You give him more of an opportunity, those numbers can skyrocket. I mean, yes, he had that 200-yard performance at the end of the year. He's shown flashes, and he's young, he's dynamic, and let's be honest, he's better than Tevin Coleman. However, Devontae Freeman was better than Tevin Coleman, and Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, for whatever the reason, only that one season where Tevin Coleman got hurt and Freeman played every single down did that uh, did the one-back system work. So Raheem Mostert's a guy that I like very much and want to rank higher, and I am I'm very happy to get him as my second running back, especially uh, in like the fourth or fifth round. Um, he's seen him drop to six in a few mock drafts. Raheem Mostert is a guy that I uh, I might have as a dark horse or um, as a breakout candidate as we move forward in the draft season. So let's go ahead and wrap things up with number 25. And number 25 is another guy I like a lot, and that's Devin Singletary. And I would have him higher. I really would if it wasn't for the fact that they drafted a uh, running back in the uh, the Buffalo Bills took a running back in the NFL draft. Now, I don't feel that uh, Singletary will suffer from that, but he his goal line touches will most likely go down. So having said all that, I feel that Buffalo will take a step up uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I think Josh Allen will grow this year, and he will be more accurate, and I think he'll be more dynamic. And I think that this offense takes a step forward as a whole uh, with the addition of Stephon Diggs. John Brown is still in the mix. I think there's going to be a lot of growth here, and I think there's room for two down, uh, two backs in this system. So Singletary will perform, and he's kind of like the Tariq Cohen type, only he can get some goal line work. Um, he's kind of like uh, Theo Riddick was when he was in Detroit. So definitely a guy that in PPR formats will perform for you, but certainly uh, not somebody you want to rely on as your number one running back. So that'll wrap it up for the running back preview. Uh, Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found uh, some interesting tidbits there. Certainly any questions about anything that I covered, hit me up on Twitter at FFKnowItAll. You can also send me an email. Um, You can find me at FFKnowItAll at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for your continued support. Um, I really, really, really appreciate you allowing me to uh, invade your lives in whatever way that I do. Again, thanks to Matt Bacon for the amazing logo, Kevin, Chris, and Temi for the awesome music, and a shout-out to everybody who um, makes this show what it is. So please, continue to do everything that you guys do to dominate your lives, and hopefully we'll be done with this pandemic soon and back to some type of normalcy, and let's go and enjoy some football. Till next time, everybody, see you later.